What's up, everybody? Um, the podcast here. Oh, man, crazy, crazy times, crazy times. I mean, we've got all this stuff going on with the elections. I mean, <laughs> you know, the media doesn't determine a winner. Um, I mean, crazy times. You know, you got glitches in systems, voter fraud, uh, media trying to declare winners when the winner hasn't been officially declared yet. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but, you know... I'm kind of used to this, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're an MMA fan, if you're a fight fan, you know, or just a sports fan, you know, you're kind of used to this, you're kind of used to the media declaring, you know, the winner, you know, due to the fact that, you know, the media does it all the time in sports, you know, they, they do it all the time, you know, <laughs> they do it all the time, I mean, I remember back when the Miami Heat were first when they first arrived and when it was um Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and they played the Orlando Magics and I remember everybody said that you know the Miami Heat were going to win that season due to that and you know they were going to win and the Orlando Magic beat them so yeah and then I remember people said that San Antonio would get stomped out you know in the playoffs and San Antonio gave them a pretty tough game and then beat them the next season on top of that you know so, you know, it's not the first time the media, not the first time the media has, you know, declared a winner, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, something that I, I encourage people, well, not necessarily encourage people, but, you know, if you don't want to, you don't have to, it's free country, but the thing you have to understand is, you know, you can't, you know, the thing is, is the media just... They just don't. They don't declare a winner. They always do. The media does this all the time, and they do it. They do it in sports all the time. Like I said, if you're a sports fan, you're 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 used to the media declaring winners before the actual game or the, before the actual fight. It's just you know, I mean, it, it's not something. It it's not. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, um, probably a fight previously. I mean. In one of the uh, previous fights from this year, uh, in uh, I think it was yeah, Paula Costa, Paula Costa versus Israeli Adesanya is actually the perfect example of that. Um, Paula Costa, you know, was this overblown ball of muscle who I'm pretty sure he's taking steroids, but um, everyone was so sure that he was going to give Adesanya the toughest fight is toughest fight of his career everyone was so sure that he was going to beat Adesanya I mean if you look at the betting odds it's really bizarre how people were so confident in Paulo Costa and it, it, and it really and it's times like these I would love to do a podcast or do like a video where I interview people interviewing the odds makers or the people placing bets and find out why they're picking and why they're picking these people, why, why they're picking certain fighters or certain teams, you know, what, what's their logic in it? Because it, it just, I, it just doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> you know, especially if you're, like I said, if you're, if you're an MMA fan, you know, like myself, you know, it was pretty obvious, you know, Paula Costa wasn't going to win that. It was pretty obvious Adesanya was going to dominate. And he, you know, and he did. So th that that's an example of why you can't trust the media. You know, the media does not declare a winner. You cannot trust the media whenever they try to even remotely say something is close or something is a landslide. Because you got to understand they're operating under a bias, you know, just like they were operating under a bias with Paulo Costa. You know, um, another example was... Ronda Rousey, you know, Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes. The media operated under a huge bias, believing that Ronda was going to beat Holly Holm. They even did the same thing when she came back to fight Amanda Nunes. And for those of us who knew who Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm were, we knew that she was most likely, <laughs> that we knew she was going to get her ass kicked. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you know, there, there's a huge list of fights you know, a huge, huge list of fights. Sorry, I'm looking at notes I made, but um, you know, there's all there's a huge list of fights out there, huge list of sports events where winners were declared, and the game didn't even start. Hell, we weren't even two days away from the Super Bowl or the big fight or the NBA playoffs. I mean, um, 
Patriots versus Seahawks is another example. I mean, everyone was so sure that the Patriots were going to win. And, you know, it just, I mean, I'm sorry. They were so sure that the Seahawks were going to win. And it turned out the Patriots won. You know, the the media was declaring the Seahawks the winner. And the game, the game didn't even start yet. And the Patriots won. Um um, yeah, Patriots versus Seahawks, uh, Atlanta Falcons versus Patriots. That's another prime example of the media declaring a winner. You know, uh, I remember that game, you know, the, the Falcons were ahead. Everyone swore up and down the Falcons were going to win. Hell, everyone swore up and down the Falcons were going to win before the game even started. And Patriots won that. So, I mean, you, there's so many examples of you know, the media declaring things in sports that it's just like, you know, you, you can't trust the media. You can't trust the media. I mean, um, you know, I remember uh, Fabricio for Doom, Stipe Miocic, you know, everyone thought Fabricio was going to beat Stipe and, and Stipe and, and <laughs> you know, the media was already declaring, you know, Fabricio the winner and Stipe shocked the world. So it's just like I said, you know, the media doesn't declare a winner. Um, I don't care whether you're in politics, whether you're in politics, in sports, in anything. The media isn't the deciding factor when it comes to who's the winner or who's the loser of things. It's the contest that does. And, um, you know, whoever wins this contest, you know, this is, you know, it should, this should be a prime example. This is not only, this should be a lesson in why you should never trust the media. Never trust the media when it comes to information. You know, do your own research, you know, get your own facts. Um, don't rely on, you know, these, don't, don't rely on these, you know, mainstream, don't rely on these mainstream sources, you know, you can, you can hear them out, you can listen to them, you can look into them, but don't go off of, don't form, do you know, form your own opinion, don't, don't go off of their own information and their own opinion, you know, form your own opinion, get your own information, and, you know, when you, and you know, when you do that, you know, um, things, things become a lot clearer, you know, very much clearer, you know, so all in all, just form your own opinions, go off your own information, you know, don't just, don't believe the media, um, it, it's gonna really look sad, I mean, if, if the media is wrong, which, I mean, honestly, I, I think they might be, um, a lot of people are gonna look stupid. A lot of people are gonna look stupid on social media, kind of like the ones who thought Paula Costa had a chance against Israeli Adesanya. But um, at the same time, or thought Rondo was gonna come back and dominate. But um, maybe. But I don't know. But if they're not, then okay, good. You win this one. But either way, but at the end of the day, you know, do your own research. Don't rely on don't don't rely on the media, or you know. Or base your opinions off of, you know, what other people say. Um, you know, formulate your own. But uh, all in all, there's like a lot of fights. I mean, a lot of fights. I mean, was going to talk about, man, I uh, was supposed to do a podcast of Musasi and, you know, the Silva fights. Jesus Lord, there are so many to go around. I mean... So, we'll start off with Musasi versus, Musasi versus, um, who was it? Musasi versus Lima. That fight, I mean, Musasi is just, Musasi is by far, pound for pound, one of the best fighters in MMA, period. All right? I mean, that guy is just dominant. You know, he's just, he is, when he is on point, when he's on his game, he's one of those guys, when he is on point, he is a world beater, and he showed that. I mean, just the majority of that fight was just his jab. You know, that was the one thing that stuck out to me, the way he was putting on pressure and just kept sticking that jab. He wasn't, you know, charging in. It was methodical. It was tactical and just kind of just picking, you know, Lima apart. And Lima was just – and Lima, you know, Lima, he didn't know what to do. You know, he, he didn't know what to do. You know, I've said it before, you know, you know, going up and down 
a weight class, whether you're going up or going down, it's always going to affect your style and your and your cardio. You know, Lima looked great physical wise. You know, he looked like he had the conditioning, but style wise, he was out of his element because this was a fight where he was going to have to fight on the back foot. And Lima is used to fighting. You know, he's used to being the guy. He's used to being the bigger man. He's used to being the guy that, you know, you know, imposes his size, imposes his will. He's not used to being backed up, you know, Lima's used to being the guy, he's used to being the bigger man and backing other people up, you know, and so this was, um, this was weird, you know, so this is probably, it was really weird for Lima, you know, he, he threw some good strikes, but you can tell, like, stylistically, he wasn't used to fighting off the back foot, he's used to being the guy that, you know, imposes his, that imposes his size, imposes his will, you know, he's used to being that guy, he's not used to being the guy who has to experience, who has to experience it, so of course, <clears throat> so of course, you know, you saw, you know, so of course, you know, Lima just had difficulty. Great fight. Musasi, once again, two-time Bellator champion. I mean, his resume pretty much speaks for itself on why he's one of the best fighters in MMA, period. Um, you know, I know a lot of John Jones fans are going to, you know, say shit. But really, he is one of the best fighters in MMA, period. I mean, it's unfortunate that we never got to see him fight for a UFC title or win a UFC title, which I do believe he would have, he would have won, and he would have dominated, but, you know, the UFC, you know, tends to hold back certain fighters, you know, because they want to protect their stars, and I think, you know, and I truly believe Musasi got held back because there were some stars that, you know, the UFC wanted to protect. Uh, where does he go from here? I mean, where do, where does he go from here? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that that's interesting. I mean, he obviously he said he wants to defend the belt. Um, he doesn't have you know going to a new weight class. I mean, that's uh, been something you know he talked about that, but apparently he's from what I've listened to the press conferences, he's focused on defending his belt. I mean why not, you know, just defend your title and just have a good array of dominance, um, it would be interesting to see, too bad Lovato Jr. had to retire, it would be interesting to see them fight, but it is what it is, so going into there, I mean, so where does, like I said, Gegard Musasi, he's in this position where he can dominate the middleweight, or he can go into light heavyweight, because he's fought at light heavyweight before and done really well, so, I mean, he can do that, but, I mean, like I said, but um, him, you know, staying at middleweight, I like the idea of him staying at middleweight and just racking up title defenses. I, t I don't know. I just think that, to me, seems the better route to go. I mean, just because the one thing people will argue is say that he never constantly defended his title. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a string of title defenses. That's something that somebody will argue when they look at his resume. They'll say he's won a lot of titles, but he doesn't have a lot of title defenses. If he stays in belt, if he stays in middleweight in Bellator and just constantly defends his title, that's an accolade no one could hold against him because he's defended his title, you know, on multitudes of times. So. But great win for Gayard Musasi, one of my favorite fighters, and I mean a terror for anybody in the ring. Uh, Diego Lima, I mean, he, you're still the welterweight champ, so just go back in welterweight, and you know go back in welterweight, and just dominate welterweight. Or you know if you don't want to do that, if you want to take another shot, you know start reinventing yourself. You know reinvent reinvent yourself for middleweight. You know don't you know you realize now don't rely on the same tactics and approaches at welterweight. Change your game up. You know you're in a new weight class. You know there's new strategies, new styles, new skills. You know you're gonna have to change it up. So yeah. Um, Silva, I mean, Silva versus Uriah Hall. So, Joe Rogan, in all his glory, criticized saying that Anderson Silva didn't look good in that fight. He didn't look good. He didn't, he, you know, Dana White criticized it, saying that he should never let a Silva fight. I don't know what fucking fight they were watching. I don't know what fucking fight they were watching. Um, and this goes back to what I said in the beginning. 
you know, why you the media doesn't dictate the winner is the media doesn't dictate the outcome. They don't they don't have the authority nor the ability to dictate the outcome to dictate things, um, you know, because if you were watching that fight and I mean really watching that fight, I was fortunate enough to watch it with the sound off. Silva was dominating. He was don, dominating for almost three rounds. He, he was dominating for almost three rounds, giving Uriah Hall a lot of problems. He was tagging Uriah Hall, and I think there was a point in time I would have to rewatch it. He almost finished Uriah Hall. I mean, he was looking like the Silva old, just picking him apart, and it was really amazing to see. And I was I was excited. I was thinking Silva might win this. You know, he might not win by finish, but it's most likely going to happen to a decision. But he might win this. And then Uriah Hall cracked him with the straight right. And when that happened, and then when that happened, everything started coming together for Uriah Hall. He had a burst of confidence. Once he caught him with that right hand, all the confidence started to flow, and then he realized, I can hurt this guy. And then he came in the next round more confident, firing more shots, you know, looking firing more shots looking more confident with every move he made and that was it and i mean it happens sometimes you know when you you know uriah hall he didn't look like a world you know he didn't look confident you know throughout those three rounds up until he caught silva with the straight right and that happens sometimes sometimes you need something to give you a burst of confidence in order to you know get you going and and that's what happened for uriah hall you know he wasn't doing good in the fight he was getting his ass whooped and then he caught silva with the straight right and then he was like oh shit i hit him and then all the confidence started to flow and i mean congrats to uriah hall i mean i can't deny it uh, you, you know, you can't, you can't deny it, you know, but, uh, Silva's legacy, you know, a lot of people have, you know, um, looking at Silva's legacy, I mean, still one of the greatest of all time. I mean, one of the things like one of the things I remember was somebody said, you know, when you look at the end of his career, he Jones is ahead of him. But the thing is about but the thing about that is is it's a flawed it's a it's flawed logic, but you know, but the reality is when you look at Silva's career, I mean, impressive. I mean, impressive career. you know, impressive career, I mean, longest title reign, longest win streak, you know, most finishes, I mean, the guy put on stellar performances, um, even in his losses, put on stellar performances, you know, people forget, you know, he beat Nick Diaz, you know, he had a, I mean, he almost finished DC, almost, which a lot of people seem to forget, he beat Derek Brunson, where he practically outsmarted him, he held up well against Israeli Adesanya, and it sucks that that fight wasn't five rounds, because I think that would have been a great five-round fight, um, he looked good against Cannoneer, you know, until the power set in, and, you know, this fight with Uriah Hall looked exceptional until he got caught with the right, so when you look at, you know, the thing is, so when you look at the end of his career, you gotta look at it as like, like this, losses don't define a career, losses don't define a career, that is the absolute truth, also, when you look at his performances in those losses, and even in those wins, in those two wins that he had, which is against Nick Diaz and Derek Brunson, he still looked A-list. He still looked like he like he could still perform at a top level. It wasn't like when he... It's not like Tyron Woodley, who just got dominated and just threw up from bell to bell, you know, in his last three fights. You know, it. I mean, Anderson Silva was holding his own and looking real good against top quality competition you can't say that toward the end of his career he was on a down you can't really say that toward the end of his career he was on a downslide I mean he, he wasn't he wasn't on a downslide I mean you know he was still holding up very well you know it's just you know there are certain elements you know, just now certain elements that didn't factor in before are factoring in now due to the fact that he has been in the game for a long time. You know, I mean, you know, that's that catches up to you. 
you know the game you know not everybody stays at the bottom of the barrel for not everyone stays at the bottom of the barrel forever ever you know the game does rise and that's something that we saw with Silva's career you know um his resume still in my opinion holds up better than John Jones because you look at his performances and you look at John's performances Anderson Silva's performances eclipse John's by a wide margin you know John was John would put people away but it wasn't like when it it wasn't in the way that you know Anderson would put people away Anderson would just make them look like they were amateurs you know it was just like it was almost like it was like these guys you it was like these guys didn't belong there you know John he would dominate guys but the guys still looked like they belong there you know it wasn't like they you know looked completely bad or terrible you know i mean silva's you know silva's just performances eclipse johns i mean who who literally wins a fight with their back with their back against the cage i mean you name me a fighter that's done that the only fighter that did that was demetrius no other fighter has legitimately put themselves up against the cage and won a fight let alone finished so all in all silva will always be the greatest of all time and will be one of the greatest of all time i mean he's up there with the likes of fedor you know the likes of you know guys like couture um he he's up there i mean he is definitely the go and he definitely trumps you know john jones i think a lot of people say john jones you know John Jones's resume trumps Silva's is because once again they're only looking at the UFC and because John is and since John is pretty much the last man standing out of the you know majority of champions from that period of time from that from that period of time people are kind of saying he's the goat because he's the last man standing you know people forget that there was a period of time when there was like there was a, I think there was 12 champions, or like 12 champions, or 10 champions, but all of them were labeled, you know, it was labeled the decade of champions, where it was promoted as if, like, these were the top dogs, and these, these we were going to see these guys dominate for a long time, you know, they, they held a press conference for it, I remember that, they held this huge press conference, and they had all the dominant champions, the current dominant champions, from you know, Cain Velasquez, John Jones, Anderson Silva, you know, St. Pierre, Jose Aldo, uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, Frankie Edgar, um, I don't think Dominic Cruz was there yet, uh, I don't think Dominic Cruz was there yet, or, or they didn't acquire the 135, they didn't put the 135 pound division in yet, I don't think so, um, you know, oh yeah, yeah, they didn't make a 135 pound title yet, but at the time, it was 145 to heavyweight, and these were all the champions, it was a decade of champions, that's what they, that's, I think that was what they called it, and these were all the dominant champions, these were the guys that people were saying were going to, you know, dominate for the years to come, you know, and John Jones was the last of that group, you know, he was the last of the decade of champions. He's the last of that group. You know, they all lost. They all don't have titles anymore. You know, he's the only guy standing as we speak. So a lot of that. So I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people say he has the greater resume than the likes of Silva or GSP or Khabib because of the fact that he's the last of the, he, you know, he's the last of the breed. You know, he's the last of that decade of champions that, you know, were just tearing things apart and just dominating left and right. And that that's the case. Um, but, you know, like I said, I just but like I said, I think, you know, I mean, the evidence speaks for itself. I think I, I think Silva holds up. But I mean, sorry about that. But like, but like I said, you know, Silva's resume honestly holds up better than John Jones's just because the performances and things like that just because just mainly the performances and you know and when we saw him against other styles it was the way he would beat them was more impressive than the way John would beat them you know um you know his recent fights are examples of that of John's if that that's who I'm talking about but yeah but 
you know, if if he is retired, he said he retired from the UFC. Retiring from the UFC usually means I'm leaving the UFC, but I'm going to fight for because I want to fight for another organization. And the only way I can get out of my contract is if I retire, which is a tactic used by a lot of fighters who what they do is they retire. They write out their contract and then they come back and they fight for another organization, you know, because, um, you know, a la Frank Shamrock. I mean, there's a bunch of guys who did that. Frank Shamrock, Chel Sonnen, Vanderlei. They all done that. I mean, yeah, his resume, his resume stands higher than Jones, just melding the performances. Because when we saw him against other styles, when we saw him fight, you know, other different styles and body types, he would dominate them in spectacular fashion. You know, John, he showed a lot of difficulty. You know, his poor performances were not that impressive. Um, now, is Silva retired? From MMA, probably not. From the UFC, for sure. The thing is, the thing to note is, when somebody says, I'm retiring from the UFC, that usually means that they're leaving the UFC, they're not retiring from MMA. Um, a lot of fighters have done this, where they'll retire, and then they'll write out the rest of their contract, you know, they'll retire, they'll write out the rest of their contract, and then they'll come back and fight in another organization, you know, Vanderlei did it, Chel Sonnen did it, I mean, list of fighters have done it, and, you know, you know, and that's just, you know, and that that's just because if they did fight, if they did, you know, retire from the UFC, and then try to fight another organization, they would, you know, the UFC would, you know, would file suit, you know, because technically they're still under contract. So, but I mean, part of me feels he may be retired from MMA completely. Um, the guy's been fighting a long time. I mean, he's fought for a long, long time in so many organizations. I mean, I think he's retired from MMA. I don't think he's retired from the UFC. I think he's retired from MMA completely. But if he is it, and he's just, you know, retiring from the UFC and is going to or some organization like, like Bellator or one championship. I mean, maybe, I mean, then good for him. I mean, like I said, when you look at his performances, he was, he did not look bad at all. He looked very good. He looked like he can compete with the best of them, you know, you, you know, so you can't really say that he's washed up, you know, because he's still performing at a high level, you know, it's not like he's getting completely shut out left and right, but, um, but we'll see, I mean, Khabib, you know, Khabib, you know, recently just said that he wasn't going to retire, you know, after not that long ago saying that he was going to retire, you know, so we'll find out, I mean, we'll see, we'll see, um, but either way, great career, I mean, one of the greatest champions that you'll ever did see, um, honorable, respectful. He's he is a martial artist. He's the true definition of a martial artist. Him, GSP, and Mighty Mouse—they're what a martial artist should strive to be. You know, honorable, respectful. You know, and just you know, putting on great performances, and you know, always willing to rise to the occasion. You know, and that's. You know, so, and that's the legacy that Silva has left. Um, so, let's see. Uh, shit. Let's see what else is going on. Um, let's see. Let's see. Hold on, looking at my notes. Okay, so, Gervonta Davis. <laughs> Gervonta Davis versus Santa Cruz. This fight... I, I said it before, I'm not sold on on Gervonta Davis. I don't think he's as good as everybody portrays himself to be. I think he's good, but I don't think he's great. Um, I felt that Santa Cruz was going to test him. And, you know, Santa Cruz did. And, excuse me, and Santa Cruz did. Santa Cruz tested him in full. And that was... And, I watched the highlights. Actually, well, I got to watch the highlights, but I mostly watched the fight. Somebody leaked it on YouTube. But watching the full fight, it was a good it was a good match. Santa Cruz tested him. You know, Santa Cruz 
put pressure on him. You know, he started working. He was attacking. He was backing. You know, he was putting the pace on Javante Davis. The thing, though, that stuck out to me was how calm and composed Santa Cruz was. I mean, Santa Cruz was calm and composed. I mean, um, Javante Davis was calm and composed. He did not fire. Every shot that he fired was with accuracy and with purpose. Most guys, when they get into situations like that, they are throwing just to throw. This is the thing where I criticized of Kobe Covington was, you know, yeah, sure. You know, Kobe Covington, he, you know, he wasn't throwing a lot of strikes. You know, he was, you know, throwing more single shots. Yeah, he changed the striking and all, you know, switching from throwing a lot of strikes to throwing single shots but he was still just punching just a punch he wasn't aiming he wasn't throwing with a sense of purpose there was no setup it was just you know i'm just gonna throw and i'm just gonna throw again and i'm just gonna keep throwing again and that was you know and that was something that i didn't see with javante davis he threw with purpose he was you know composed he was calm he didn't freak out when he was getting backed up to the ropes he stayed composed and he picked his shots and when he saw that when he saw an opportunity to throw that left that left uppercut he threw it in full and next thing you know Santa Cruz dropped like a sack of potatoes in an ocean just flopped I mean it was his whole body went limp and you know it's a good shot when somebody's whole body goes limp and they look like a large noodle flopping on the ground it was just it was I mean I've watched that highlight all the time and I've even tried to practice that punch myself and it is it's crazy I mean, and I, and even I have a hard time trying to, you know, mimic the movement, you know, I would have to rewatch the fight again to see how he set that up because I mean, because it was a really good uppercut. I mean, he threw it from a squared stance. When you watch how he throws it, he threw it from almost like a square stance. His left, his left foot was kind of, you know, a little bit forward, but one of the things that I, but he was still standing squared. But one of the things that I noticed was he didn't throw the uppercut just from standing there. He stepped in with the uppercut. You know, he didn't just throw the uppercut. He stepped in with it. You know, as soon as Santa Cruz threw the punch, he stepped in and threw the uppercut. That way he can get full power. That way he can get the full power. And at the same time, you know, he can cover the distance. So he can cover the distance. He, you know, he can cover the distance. You know, that way they cover and that way he could cover the distance, you know, and that was actually, you know, very smart. I mean, the guy, the guy does have some skill. So, I mean, the guy impressed me and it'll be interesting to see what he does in the future. You know, that, that uppercut was good. Um, yeah, the way he just stepped in with that uppercut, man, that was just good. He stayed in a square stance, and as soon as Santa Cruz threw a punch, he stepped in with the uppercut to cover the distance and get the full range of power. That was that was good, really good. So, um, let's see. You know, let's see. Moving to the next string of fights. Yeah, so, um... On Long On Song, I don't even know if, if, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm, let me see. I gotta pronounce his name right. Let me see. Let me read it again. It's Ong La En Song. I don't know how to pronounce that. If I pronounced that right, yes. If I didn't, fuck it. But, anyways, he lost, and that was a shocker. Um, He was the middleweight and light heavyweight champion of one championship, or 1FC, if you want to call it that. And he he lost. I mean, he lost. I mean, he seemed the the thing for me was he seemed too comfortable. You know, watching the fight was the guy took him to the ground. The guy had his back. He seemed too comfortable. He seemed too comfortable, you know, letting the guy have his back. You know, it's good to be relaxed. It's good to be calm in the position, but you never want to be too comfortable in a bad position because if you're too comfortable then you're never going to really respond and you know get out of things especially bad situations that you need to get out of you know you never want to be too calm and that seemed to be the thing with with ong was he was he seemed too calm you know he seemed too relaxed you know 
in with his with his back being taken and because of that you know his opponent just started just building more and more of an offense and then pretty much choked him out so um yeah he's the middle he's the middleweight champion good for him uh great fight uh one championship's looking really good i mean i gotta start watching more of their fights because man their fights their fights always seem to be exciting they're all their fights always seem to be awesome uh yeah uh cory anderson excuse me Mm, i was up late uh cory anderson versus melvin manhoof the weasel uh, what's funny about this so the weasel in all of his wonderful glory you know all all of his wonderful glory you know tried saying that the betting odds tried saying that the odd that the betting odds for the Manhoof and Anderson fight were ridiculous that whoever thought Manhoof had an opportunity were crazy obviously you don't know who the fuck Melvin Manhoof is because Melvin Manhoof is a fucking monster the guy has a history of devastating knockouts I mean the knockouts of I believe it was uh Akiyama was insane all right the guy knocked out Mark Hunt Mark Hunt is a heavyweight all right and he knocked him out okay a couple years back okay Melvin Manhoof is a very dangerous very powerful striker who has knocked out heavyweights who has knocked out people of all different shapes and sizes and just to assume that (laughs) and just to assume that you know that the betting odds were wrong in giving Melvin Manhoof a chance, you're out of your rabbit ass mind. I mean, Melvin Manhoof is a fucking killer. That guy is a destroyer. You 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 can't count Melvin Manhoof out like that. And yes, Corey Anderson dominated. You know, he he won. You know, as a I mean, he won. Now does this take away now does this does this mean that the weasel was right? No, it doesn't. The weasel wasn't right. It's just show it just goes to show how good Corey Anderson is. The fact that despite that he was fighting a very dangerous striker who has the ability to knock anyone out at any a high level striker if on top of that who has the ability to knock anyone out at any weight class who has knocked out everyone at like literally who has knocked out anyone at any weight class or everyone at every weight class um you know and to see Corey Anderson dominate him the way he did you know very impressive very very impressive um like I said but it doesn't take away it doesn't it doesn't prove that people were wrong it just you know like I know the weasel likes to sit here and you know he's gonna talk shit and whatever but fuck the weasel you know you know, it doesn't prove that the that the betting odds are wrong. You know, it was just you know Corey Anderson stepped his game up when he needed to, and that's what you want to see is when somebody who is that skilled, you know, step you know somebody who's fighting someone who's that skilled step their game up, and that's what Corey Anderson did. So yeah, Weasel, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, man. Like you're trying to sit here and talk shit on Melvin Manhoof, like. Like, yeah, and and not only, and the thing is to tear down Melvin Manhoof, and what's fucked up, and when you sit there, and and what's fucked up about it, to tear down Melvin Manhoof, pretty much taking away Corey Anderson's victory, you know, by by pretty much by by pretty much saying that by saying that Melvin Manhoof isn't you know is is pretty much by saving Melvin Manhoof ain't shit you're taking away Corey Anderson's victory and you're pretty much you're pretty much taking away the fact of how good he is you know you're taking away his victory and taking away the fact of and and taking away the fact of how good he is which is even more disrespectful you know when you sit there and you tear down someone like Melvin Manhoof you know it's just it's a you know, when you tear down somebody like Melvin Manhoof, you know, you're taking away, you know, you're taking away Corey Anderson's victory and, you know, not and pretty much disregarding how good Corey Anderson is. So, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, but Corey Anderson looked good. I mean, he looked good. He looked fresh. Mm, you know, like I said, most guys, when they make their debut into new organizations, they look at, look like a fish out of water, you know, and we've seen that over the years. Guys come from, 
guys who come from the UFC, they go to one championship or they go to Pride or Bellator or Strike Force, they have a difficult time. And or and sometimes it's the other way around. Guys who come from outside organi- outside organizations into the UFC, they have a difficult time. You know, the 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 octagon jitters, as everyone likes to call it, that applies across the board to every organization. And the fact that he was the fact that he came in and was very well adapted, you know, just goes to show you how good he is and how it really sucks. The UFC let him go. I mean, you know, yeah. And (laughs) the UFC are assholes. But um, yeah, what's next for Corey Anderson? I mean, I would say give him the winner. I mean, you got when you look at when you look at his career all around in MMA, the guy was on the cups of a title shot. Okay, the guy the guy was on a cups. He lost to a guy who he beat before. That is the most recent loss. But all around, but all in all, he has beaten quality competition and has earned his right for a title shot. You know, yeah, it shouldn't have been in the UFC. Yeah, but you know, hey, it's in Bellator, so it's all good. You know, and Bellator recognizes somebody who's put in that work. So it would be interesting. I think it'd be interesting to see him fight the winner of Phil Davis and Nemkov and see what he does there. I mean, hell, it would be interesting to see what he would do against someone like Ryan Bader. I mean, Ryan Bader, if Ryan Bader chooses to try to get back the light heavyweight title. Uh, Let's see. So moving forward. Um, I miss Dave Haney. Shit, I miss Dave Haney. I'm kind of not happy about that. Um, but uh, I know Terrence Crawford's fighting. But oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tashura versus Santos, or the fight card in itself. Um, very interesting fight card. Uh. On a lot of parts, very interesting fight card. A couple fights stuck out. Um, I mean, one of the first fights, first fights on the card was on the main card anyway was Gadea versus. Well, honestly, before I even get to the first fight, one of the things that you know people don't realize is how. I mean, I, what probably the lesson is trying to think you know skill skill pays the bills that that's that's the lesson that i got from here was from this fight card watching the first fight i mean claudia gadella versus i mean i don't know her name she's a new chinese chick but um gadella won the first round and then second round came in and then the the lizing or whatever her name was she just dominated she just i mean her jab was so good the way she would just it was was popping that jab left and right she kept gadea at a distance she kept her hips out when gadea would you know tie her up in in a body lock and the thing with gadea was gadea always you know you never i didn't see gadea try to drop down for a double i never saw gadea drop down to you know her opponent's lower back and pull her in it was all you know upper body up to the shoulders it was all trying to pull her by by the shoulders she was never going down to the to the mid to her back she was never dropping down to her to her opponent's back you know she was never dropping down to her opponent's legs it was very odd i mean very odd too you know gadea is very experienced so you would think gadea would you think gadea would you know be more resourceful especially since she's fighting in a bigger weight class a new weight class um but it was a great fight I mean, it, it was a great fight, good way, live one. Uh, I mean, Gadea just, Gadea's got to start patching her game up. You know, she's got to start changing some elements in her game, you know, and start using that experience that she has. Um, she's not really doing that. I don't know why, but she really needs to start doing that. Um, and then, and then, you know, with Lai, I mean... It would be an interesting fight. Lie, I would love to see Lie fight. I mean, fight again. I mean, if anything, uh, I would love to see her fight Rose. You know, I still to this day maintain that. Mm, I still to maintain. I still, 
I still maintain, I still maintain to this day that, that pretty much that Rose Namajunas does not deserve the title shot. When you look at her performances, her two, when you look at her performance against Jessica Andrade, Jessica Andrade was beating the piss out of her. She did not look good at all. When you look at her face, she was damaged up. She almost got finished, almost was stopped. I mean, I thought Jessica Andrade won the fight. I don't agree with her giving the title shot. What also irritates me is that Tatiana Suarez is nowhere on the rankings. Tatiana Suarez is undefeated. She's on a four to five fight win streak. Not one time. No one's talking about her. No one's mentioned her. She's not even on the rankings anymore. And that's just, that's, that's retarded. Um, I don't know that, that if anything, she deserves the title shot. It's really between her and Juana. Her and Juana deserve this. Or it's between her and Juana. Those two are the ones that deserve a title shot. Rose does not deserve a title shot. So I don't understand why people would give him, why she would get a title shot in the first place. But hey, it's the UFC. You know, crazy decisions get made. Um. I mean, Terrence Crawford's fighting. Terrence Crawford, you know, Terrence Crawford, I think, is fighting sometime next week, I think, next weekend. Either way, sounds like a good fight. Sounds like a good fight with whoever he's fighting. But um, all in all, Andre Arlovsky, just the veteran, just the, the, the dom, just the veteran. I, I mean, Andre Arlovsky, he's, you know, before, what people forget is before when Andre Arlovsky first got into the game, he was just all power, just just, you know, all power, you know, just always looking for the right hand, always looking for it. He never once tried to really do anything else. If he did anything else, it was because the right hand allowed it, but he never tried to set anything else up. Um, Andre Orlowski, the now that he's older, he's using more of that experience. He's being more technical. He's being more smarter. He's not just relying on the right hand. And that's what we saw in this fight. He was very smart. Like, yes, you know, his opponent was landing leg kicks. But, yes, his opponent was landing leg kicks. That was doing damage. But there's damage, and then there's effective damage. Whose damage is more effective? It was pretty clear that, you know, Arlovsky, his damage was more effective than his opponents. You know, every time he cracked his opponent with that right or cracked his opponent with a strike, his opponent would immediately back up. His opponent would stop what he was doing and then immediately back up and try to, like, get out, you know, where every time he, his opponent would crack him with a leg kick, Arlovsky never seemed deterred. Um, so, Glover Teixeira versus Diago Santos. This is pretty much just like I said with Hian Blokovic and with Jan Blokovic and Dominic Reyes was there's a difference between being bigger, stronger, faster, and hitting harder versus being better. And something that seemed to have been overlooked, Tiago Santos was obviously, he hit harder. I wouldn't say he was faster. He hit harder. I don't know why the weasel says that he was faster. There, Tiago Santos isn't as fast as what the weasel likes to think, but um, he does hit hard. And, you know, but Glover Teixeira was smarter. He was, you know, he was smarter. He was better, actually. Sorry. Just, he was better. You know, the way he did it. And it, it showed in the fight, you know. Um, the fight started out. Santos heard him. And immediately you saw Teixeira just being smart, you know, working, you know, immediately wor started working, trying to take it to the ground. Got him on the ground, and pretty much it was just a done deal from there. Like, up until the third round, it was a done deal. He almost finished him in the second. I mean, just kept him flat, kept him, stayed on top, never once gave up the top position. I mean, he comes from that old-school jiu-jitsu background where you don't give up the top position. You don't, you know, concede to the bottom position. 
you know, you either attack or you get back up. And that's what it was. I mean, for the rest of the first round and then throughout the second, you just see Teixeira on top, just pretty much riding him. I mean, just good riding. That was another thing, too, that really stood out to me was Teixeira has good riding, you know, good riding, wearing down his opponent, beating him up punching him you know just every time he would go every time he would get out of mount he would switch every time he would get out of mount he would go right back to it he would go to side control back to mount and santos just wasn't really doing anything from the bottom he was just he was just exploding and every time he would explode Teixeira would get right back to mount and that's how it was and then in the third round you know third round came comes about and then of course santos once again, explodes, catches Teixeira. But the difference between Teixeira being on the bottom versus Santos being on the bottom was Teixeira was, Teixeira was not flat. He recovered. He made. He did not left him. He did not leave himself flat and spread out. He kept himself curled. He was. He moved to his side. Kept that knee frame. Kept his shields up. You know, guarding his head. Guard. You know, guarding his head and kept moving. That was another thing too. Was he kept moving? He didn't stop. That was. That was the same thing with his takedowns. He didn't stop moving. He didn't stop moving, but he didn't blow his wad either. He was patient. He was calm, composed. He kept everything nice and tight. And when the opportunity came to explode then he did that that's how he got the takedown and that's how he got the reversal you know he reversed you know that's how he got the reversal you know he was sitting there he was on the bottom he was to his side and you know a lot of punches weren't going through you know a lot of you know the thing is santos is not an accurate puncher you know he's not a very he's not really an accurate puncher he was throwing a lot of punches but none of them were landing some of them did but not all of them and what was good was you know and what was really good about that was Teixeira was calm you know he was tight he was composed you know he wasn't freaking out when you know Santos was throwing you know a crap ton of punches at him he stayed calm he kept working he kept moving and he managed so that he kept working he kept moving he kept those frames he maintained his shield he got in he kept those frames he maintained his shield and then he got up under grabbed the double and then he got up under got the double reverse santos choked him out you know um like i said this comes back to the whole old school versus the new school you know the new school grappling is you know you kind of just give into the bottom position where that old school you don't give into the bottom position you get up or you attack you know you don't you don't play the bottom position and that was pretty clear. You know, Tashiro was working from the bottom. He was trying to get up. You know, he was working from the bottom, you know, trying to, you know, get up from under Santos because he knew that was not a position to be. And Santos was, you know, when he was on the bottom, you know, he just didn't, you know, and when Santos was on the bottom, he just didn't, you know, he just really didn't do anything. He was flat on his back, feet flat to the floor, his arms stuck out. He would just explode. He wasn't shrimping. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't shrimping. He wasn't moving. He was just laying there and accepting. Um, you know, Teixeira was, like I said, Teixeira, the, you know, the technique was clear. You know, the it was pretty clear who was more technical, you know, and Teixeira was more technical. You know, another thing was he, he was, like I said, he was managing his energy efficiently. He stayed tight. He stayed composed. You know, he kept that knee shield and maintained his frames with his arms, you know, blocking those punches, you know, blocking the punches, you know, and he didn't stop moving. That was the thing, too, was he didn't stop moving. You know, that was the thing was he didn't stop moving. That's that's another thing. He didn't stop moving, whereas Santos stopped moving and he got the reversal, took him down, choked him out. Uh, just like I said, I mean, where does the share go from here? Um, definitely, definitely deserves a title shot. I mean, it seems like Adesanya versus Jan is going to be the next fight. But personally, I think it's only fair they give it to Teshura and then have you know Adesanya fight the winner of that I but it's the UFC so 
they'll probably go with the fight that's going to make him the most money. Um, Tashura, he's kind of in this position where he could have another fight or he can wait. Um, if he has another fight, he's putting all he's putting his he's putting his all of his wins he's putting his win streak at risk he's putting his title opportunity at risk and if he loses it it's back to the drawing board but if he stays i mean yeah he could get the title shot but you know it might be a while especially if for some reason adesanya decides to go up to heavyweight or john decides to come down you know or whatever the case may be um but but uh but we'll see i mean it's really up to tashura personally i think it's only fair that dana gives the title shot to Jan and you know make adesanya fight robert whitaker you know it makes them i think it's only fair that he makes them defend their titles first and then you know if they both win have the super fight but you know it's it's about the money it's about the numbers not really about you know what's the most competitive fight it's about what fight makes the most money. But yeah, it was a good fight. I mean, it was a good fight. I mean, like I said, there's just, like I said, it was pretty clear who the better fighter was. You know, when you look at the way Santos, when he was on the bottom position versus when Teixeira was on the bottom position, you know, Santos was flat, wasn't, wasn't moving, wasn't defending properly. He just kind of laid there flat and was just exploding. You know, Teixeira, he was smart. You know, he was managing his energy efficiently. He wasn't flat on his back. He was on his side. He had, he, he, you know, he was on his side. He maintained that knee shield, kept his guard up, blocking punches, kept moving. And a lot of the punches that, you know, like I said, that Santos was throwing weren't coming through. You know, some did, but not all of them. And, you know, and, you know, some did and not all of them. And a lot of fighters, a lot of inexperienced fighters would have freaked out and did something dumb and got, you know, choked out or knocked out because of it. But Teixeira, due to his experience, stay calm, stay composed. He stayed tight, kept moving, didn't waste his energy on things that he didn't have. You know, he wasted, you know, he didn't waste his energy on things he didn't have. He used his energy for the, for the things he did have when it was the, you know, he didn't, you know, Sorry about that. He didn't use, he didn't waste his energy on the things he didn't have. He used his energy on the things he did have. And you know, especially you saw that in the fight, especially in the beginning of the takedown when in the beginning of the fight when he got hurt and he went for the takedown. He shot for the double, didn't have it. Okay, I go for the single. Don't have the single. Okay, I go back to the double. Okay, I don't got the double. Okay, I'm going to go to the body lock. Got the body lock. Okay, I have the body lock. I don't have it yet. All right, wait. Okay, now I got it. Boom, took Santos down. It was smart, you know, like I said, smart, tactical, you know, and just it goes to show you, you know, that you know the experience you know that experience is a key factor no matter how you look at it um for santos is just it's the same thing with dominic reyes if he wants to fight at the upper echelon he's got to realize that being at being the better athlete is not valid anymore being the better athlete is only is not going to get you far he has to be better you know being you know like i said there's levels to this shit you know being tough will get you to a certain point being the better athlete will get you to a certain point but if you want to be the top dog you have to focus on being the better martial artist you have to focus on being the better fighter that is what's going to get you at top that's what's going to get you to the top and that's what's going to keep you there you know being the better athlete isn't going to get you that far you know, not like it did when you were fighting, you know, mid-level guys, you know, where that's really all you needed. So, yeah, pretty much Santos, you know, he's in that same boat with Dominic Reyes. You know, it's just, you know, hopefully he learns from this. He realizes that, hey, I got to be the better martial artist. I can't be the better athlete anymore. The days of relying on that are over. I'm fighting the top i'm fighting the top level i'm fighting i'm fighting the top level guys now um but we'll see you know we'll see i mean most guys don't get out of their most guys don't get most guys once they're stuck in a place once once most guys when they get to a certain place they don't get out of that they get stuck in their ways and that's it so um we'll see 
we'll see but all in all uh i think to sure should get the title shot if he doesn't i mean i would say just wait but we'll see what happens i mean you know we'll, we'll see but uh it was a great night of fights great week of fights two weeks of fights um i mean tons of fights actually I mean, oh man, Halloween Havoc at NXT, forgot about that. That was a great, that was a great event. I mean, I haven't, I didn't get to, I haven't finished watching it yet. Haven't finished watching it. But, um, most definitely gonna, both, both, most definitely when I finish it, I'll definitely talk about it. Um, Survivor Series is coming up too. So I'll probably just do a podcast where I talk about both of those. Um, I don't know if there's any other fight nights coming up, but definitely if I can, definitely going to watch Terrence Crawford. That's another one. So all in all, thanks guys for listening and um, thanks for letting me ramble. Um, Like I said, you know, um, the lessons to be learned in the past two weeks and, you know, yeah, you know, there's lessons to be learned in all this. And so hope you guys pick up on that. But um, all in all, thanks for listening.